Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit paragonmarketinggroup.com to see how we can help. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to this new edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. I am Paul M. Newberger, founder of C-Suite for Christ. And what a blessing it is to have you on this program today as we unapologetically, unabashedly aspire to cover every square inch of this world in Christ. I mean, if we do our job well, I want this world covered in Christ, smeared in Christ, dripping in Christ. And part of the way that we do that is by strengthening each other, fortifying each other, and encouraging each other. And that's what we hope to do with the C-Suite for Christ podcast. And again, it is a blessing to have you associated with us. If you want to learn more about the C-Suite for Christ ministry, check out our website, csuiteforchrist.com. Whole bunch of resources there for you. Our monthly gatherings, how to follow us on social media, the various ministry offerings, that we provide. It's basically your one-stop shop for everything about covering the world in Christ. So feel free to check that out again at csuiteforchrist.com. Our guest today is Tim Starr. So Tim is the owner and CEO of the Star Group. It's one of the more prominent insurance organizations in the entire state of Wisconsin. Now, I'm very excited about having this conversation with Star here in a little bit because I in a previous life, used to be the president of the Star Group, Tim's company. I served his organization as a sales consultant and trainer for about 18 months to two years. And um, funny thing how these things happen. You know, we just were able to transform the organization through the sales methodologies. Tim and I established a very good friendship and relationship. Next thing you know, I'm the president of his organization. And that's where I served up until about a year ago. So it's going to be wonderful to have him on the program. He's a member of C-Suite for Christ, and he is really on fire for the Lord. So you won't want to miss that in the second portion of this program. Movies. Movies. Now, I don't get to watch movies nearly as much as I used to. I guess that's kind of what you would expect when you own several companies, when you have three children all under the age of 10 just, just hard to do things that you used to do, hard to do some of those activities that maybe you could do when you were single or no kids. You just basically had this thing called spare time. That's like a foreign concept to me now. But movies, and we got one heck of a movie collection here. I mean, back when I was in college, graduated college, I, mean, I was single for a while. I didn't meet my wife until I was 27. So that's almost five or six years after college. I was just responsible only for myself and my two cats at the time. Yes, I am a cat guy. Get used to it. Get over it. Whatever. And I just would watch movies constantly. You'd go to the old blockbuster video and you'd go to those 
you know, discount clearance rack tables where they're trying to move surplus DVDs. And yeah, it's, it, I don't know about you, but it's, it's after you have a, a big collection of something, I don't care what it is. Isn't it hard to divest yourself of that? Isn't it hard to throw those things away? I mean, whether it's baseball cards or my mom, God bless her, but she used to collect ashtrays as a kid. Now that's a weird one, mom. Sorry if you're listening, but that's a little kooky. So she'd have all these ashtrays, but it, it's hard to get rid of something you spend so much time collecting. And for us, movies is that. And, you know, we live in the Richfield Colgate area now and got a much bigger house than what we had back when it was a, a dinky little starter house in Menominee Falls before we started having kids. And down in our basement, it's an unfinished basement. And uh, we, we, we just have this, this huge entertainment rack. This thing, I don't know. It takes like four adult men to move this thing. It came with, came with my wife. That's what she had in her condo when we met. And right now it's just filled with DVDs. Phil, we've got, we've got some of the VHS tapes in there too. And one of the DVDs, I don't know why it was in there. I think I was just, you know, like when your wife tells you to clean up, sometimes you just sweep stuff under the rug. I literally think, and boy, she's going to be mad at me for this. I forget what it was. I picked it up off the ground and I opened up one of the drawers and I was just going to throw it in there. Ah, you know, it's in the, it's in this big behemoth of a, DVD case now, whatever, nobody's going to see it. Well, when I opened it up, I saw one of the DVDs in there and I instantly, instantly said, I got to watch this again. 300. You ever see that movie? 300. Gerard Butler, that was one of his first breakout hits. Boy, that's a great movie. I'm not trying to be sexist, but that's a man's movie. Just what a grunted yell watching that movie. Basically, if you haven't seen it, See it, add it on your bucket list. Now it is kind of graphic. There's some blood and violence, and you know some some less than Christian language. But it's just a an awesome epic of a movie. Basically, long story short, it gets its name 300 because you got these Spartans. I mean, the best of the best, the 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 SEAL Team Six Navy SEAL unit. They were born to fight. They were bred to fight. They were created to fight. They are the defenders of Sparta. Well, you've got King Xerxes in Persia. I mean, his army is millions and millions of people. They want to take over Sparta. Well, Sparta is not going to succumb. Sparta is not going to let somebody walk in here. Sparta is not going to let somebody take over their country. We're going to fight. But people in Sparta are going dead. Leonidas was his name. Gerard Butler's character, the, the leader of the 300. Leonidas, hey, are you nuts? Did you have some of the wacky tobacco? Are you kidding me? We're 300. Yeah, we're darn good, but we're 300 against 2.7 million. You don't even you don't have to be an Albert Einstein to know that, boy, the odds are against us here. But what was interesting, what was brilliant about the movie, it's this, this, this geographic anomaly, I suppose. Persia was coming in to Sparta and they had to come in through what was called the hot gates. It was this narrow passageway. It was the only way into Sparta. I don't care how big your army is. I don't care how many elephants you have. I don't care how many 10-foot-tall monsters. And yeah, uh, uh, King Xerxes had a few of those if you watch the movie. Nobody gets to Sparta unless you pass through the hot gates. It's this very narrow passageway. Basically, the army, their numbers count for nothing. Because you can't get 2 million people in here at once. It's narrow, 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 narrow. So we have 300 Spartans. And by the time this narrow passageway reaches us, it's basically hand-to-hand combat. We just It's a war of attrition. We just got to hold them off for a couple of weeks. No problem. I love that. I love that. And one of the things that was 
really kind of etched in my mind outside of the stellar acting, outside of the intense action scenes, outside of the, again, the underdog mentality, 300 taking on a couple million. How can you not fall in love with that? What I loved is if you want to go to Sparta, you got to go through the hot gates. There's no other way in. There's no other way around it. You don't want to come through the hot gates. Well, then I guess you're not coming in. The only way in is in this narrow passageway. That's it. I'm not going to talk about the rest of the movie. I don't want to ruin it for you, but it is a, it is a heroic movie with a great finish, but that was always left on me. Persia wanted to get in. King Xerxes wanted to get in. Now, it's inconvenient to fight this war of attrition. It's inconvenient where your biggest asset were these massive numbers of Persians and accounted for nothing with the hot gates. I understand why King Xerxes could be a little upset, but I loved it. If you want to get in, you got to go through the hot gates. It's the only way in. You don't like it. Turn around and get out of here. Doesn't that also remind you of Christianity? How many, how many people in society today want to go to heaven? How many people in society today want to spend eternity with God? How many people today want to enjoy paradise for all of eternity for the rest of their existence? But it's the same thing. There's no other way into heaven. There's no other way to God unless you go through Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6 states this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is a famous verse. A lot of us have, us memor have this memorized. A lot of us wear John 14, 6 wristbands or necklaces. Maybe this was your confirmation verse. Maybe you first got exposed to this in Sunday school or something, and it's just been something that has been a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. But have you ever really dwelled on it? Have you ever really thought about it? Have you ever really marinated on this and thought about just what we need to do to ensure that we get to God, to ensure that we can enjoy everlasting life in paradise once God calls us to our heavenly home? It's like King Xerxes and the Persian army in 300. You all want to get in. You all want to come in here, but there's only one way. It's a narrow passageway. It's not going to be the most convenient thing for you to do to get through here, but this is the only way in, buddy. And that's the same with us. Jesus is the way. He shows us the way. He shows us the way to live. He shows us the way to treat other people. He shows us the way to conduct ourselves. It's not easy to live a Christ-like life. It's not easy to live a life where somebody could just point you out from a crowd and say, you know what, that person must be a Christian. But just like in the movie 300, where the road, the hot gates, the road to Sparta was narrow, so is the way to heaven. It's narrow. Not everybody's going to be able to navigate this. Not everybody's going to make it through. Over time, life is like a war of attrition. People are just going to start falling off from time to time. It is a tough thing to do on occasion. But if you want to get to God, if you want to get to heaven, the only way is Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. 
this, this is one of the things that always boggles me about society today. You know, it, it's interesting, but you, you hear this a lot. You know, people will say in society, it's the church, you know, the erosion of the church. People just don't go to church. You know, it's, you got the church and then you got all of external society around the church. I don't think the biggest problem with society is what's going on outside the church. I think to some degree, what's wrong with society is what's going on inside the church. Too many of these churches have been secularized. Too many of these churches have gone a little too liberal, progressive. Too many of these churches are, are going the way of society, whether it be LGBTQ, whether it be trans transgenderism, whether it be you know, a whole host of other hot button issues. You see some churches going along with society. It's not so much God's truth, it's society's truth. Some of these churches, they just don't want to see a drop in church attendance. They don't want to see a drop in the collection plate. They don't want to offend anybody. If you're a true Christian, you don't have that luxury. Jesus is the truth. You stand on the truth. You get anchored in the truth. That truth is your firm foundation. Society doesn't like it. Society can pound sand. You lose a couple of friends, they can pound sand. Your family doesn't get it, they can pound sand. Like, I, I know I'm making this seem very simplistic, and there's a lot more emotional stuff involved with that. But you can't, as it says in scripture, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You, you can't serve God and your family to some degree. I mean, that's what they say, you know, like when uh, when, when you get married, you, you leave your family, you leave your parents, you leave, you know, you leave your siblings, you leave that life behind. You're now joined to somebody else. Jesus is the truth. And, and it, it's very polarizing right now because society is diametrically opposed to what's going on. It's a narrow gate. It's not going to be necessarily very easy. But if you want to get to heaven, you got to follow the truth and as it says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is the life. He gives us eternal life. Last time I checked, that tomb is still empty. Last time I checked, that grave was conquered. Last time I checked, death ain't nothing anymore. Now that Jesus rose on the third day, he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the only way in. You want to get into heaven, get right with Jesus. You want to get into heaven, accept Jesus. Stay connected with Jesus. Stay plugged in with Jesus. Accept Jesus' love, his mercy, his undeserved grace. Accept that. Let that wash all over you and make sure that no matter what happens in your life, you're going to be pushed down a lot of different paths. Maybe your family wants you to go down one path. Maybe your job wants you to go down a path. Maybe society wants you to go down a path. Maybe your parents want you to go down a path. It's not going to be easy. That's why it's a narrow road. But there's only one way in, and that's the way, that's the truth, that's the life, that's Jesus. Jesus is today's equivalent of the hot gates. It'd be easier to go around. It'd be easier to bypass it. It'd be easier to sidestep it. We don't have that luxury. Make sure more than anything else in your life, you are plugged in to Jesus. You accept Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus, and you understand Jesus's teachings. Because how are you going to know the way, the truth, and the life if you don't know Jesus? It's the only way in, and you must stay on that path. Tim Starr, founder and CEO of the Star Group, 
is no stranger to staying on this path, no stranger to when it comes to a relationship, especially not only with his heavenly father, but with his earthly father. And he's going to share some anecdotes on that. You're not going to want to miss that right here on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. And we'll be right back. So welcome back to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. And before I introduce you to our guest, Tim Starr here today, you know, if you like these podcasts, if you like this thought leadership, if you like this notion of inspirational content on an ongoing, regular basis, did you know that we also have a radio show? Yep, that's true. And if you think I love the sound of my own voice, just ask my wife. She'll probably agree with you on that. The radio show is called Covering the World in Christ with Paul M. Newberger. If you're in the Wisconsin radio market, it does play on News Talk 1130 WISN every Saturday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can also live stream the show on the iHeartRadio app. But if you're not able to listen, if you're not able to live stream, you can also go on the iHeartMedia website and also listen to previous episodes. Again, covering the world in Christ with Paul M. Newberger. So I'm very excited to introduce you to our special guest here today. I've been familiar with this individual for quite a while. Not only is he a friend, not only has he basically been an honorary member of my family, I actually served as the president of his organization for a couple of years. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Starr, CEO of the Star Group, is with us here today. Tim, how are you, brother? I'm fine. Thank you, Paul. Great to see you. Great to hear your voice. Absolutely. The feeling is more than mutual, I can assure you. And Tim, as you know, based on the show thus far, the piece of scripture that we're unpacking is John chapter 14, verse 6, which is simply this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Tim, as you hear that scripture, as you hear that verse, what specifically does that mean to you? Well, I think the context of it, Paul, is interesting to begin with. This came out of, of a discussion that Christ was ha- having with Thomas, if you recall. And Thomas was a little bit confused about why he should know about the fact that his father has many rooms in his mansion, and, and Christ had responded, and you know where I am going and how to get there. And that confused Thomas. He wasn't sure, like, why should I know? How should I know that? And that is when Christ responded with, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. So this verse, I think what's very interesting about it, is you've got three words in here in particular that have always caught my attention. And those three words are, and I I am the way, and to me, that is Christ in and by himself. The truth, to me, that is God, our Heavenly Father. And life, to me, is the Holy Spirit. Now, he encompasses all of those. We understand that within this verse. But I have always found this verse very interesting because of those three words and the significance that they have in our relationship with all three of them. So it's always been a nice reminder. It isn't just Jesus Christ that we're talking about here. We're talking about our Father and the Holy Spirit at the same time. Yeah, very well said. And that's a unique perspective. And one of the things that you just mentioned that I want to unpack this a little bit is you talk a little bit about the father 
And in this case, especially with respect to Scripture, you know, we're talking about our Heavenly Father, maintaining a good relationship with our Heavenly Father, getting to our Heavenly Father. And there's there's just something about that word Father. It's it, it's comforting. It's it's it tugs at the heartstrings. It gives it like a warm, feel good sensation. So let's talk a little bit about the the term Father a little bit. So you know, we 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 talk about running after our Heavenly Father. But also, it's important to maintain a good relationship with our earthly father. And I know the relationship that you have with your biological father is very, very strong. So would you mind describing to us a little bit what the relationship with your father is like and, and quite frankly, how that has shaped who you are today? Absolutely. Uh, well, it's certainly um, um, my relationship with my father is not only that of a father and son, but as you know, Paul, it was also one from a business relationship. Um, I was very young when I came into the business that we have here. Um, I had just turned 22 years old. So very much in the beginning of my career, to say the least, an early, very early career. And I had a very interesting and very unique relationship with my father, specifically, literally in all of the years that we worked together until 1993, we never, ever once had an argument, a disagreement, uh, any situation where we didn't want to be around each other. In all of those years, never had an occurrence of any of those things. And that was very special to me. And it had a lot to do um, with his personality, which I had obviously grown up and, and learned from. And it became very much a part of who, who I am to this very day. And just very, very tolerant, um, very patient, and very humble in the things that we do. And those grant some really beautiful outcomes. And it manifested itself in a very positive way in our relationship. So that was a huge takeaway for me to observe those things. And I remember as a, as a young child, Paul, watching him interact with other people. And the interaction never left me, and specifically that he would not have sharp words or be angry about others or with others or profess anger in front of other people about others. So it was something that I'll never forget thinking that, man, he's like really a patient individual um, and very humble at the same time. So those very much are a part of, of who we are as an organization here. Uh, you know that from our, our time together for sure. And it is something, of course, that uh, my own children have uh, observed and witnessed in, in how I interact with others. And of course, with them as well. Not being quick to anger, but being faster to try and understand a position or posturing that they may be taking. First and foremost. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you sharing that. And you're right. I have been blessed. And I, and I don't use that word lightly, blessed <clears throat> to have a peek behind the curtain with respect to the Star family. And there's no way Bob Star, your father, th there's no way Bob Star builds a business like the Star Group without being a world class person. I know you're a humble, salt of the earth person, Tim, but there's no way he produces you and your siblings 
without being an amazing person. And I, I've seen it firsthand. I've been able to witness it firsthand. And it's a powerful thing. One of the, one of the questions I just want to unpack a little bit, and, and you call this a selfish question, but as you know, I, I've got three children. Kennedy is nine, Hudson <laughs> is seven, and my baby girl, Reagan, is four. And, uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I, I would love to bring my children into the family business at some point. Man, I can't even get through breakfast without having an argument with one of my kids, let alone go all of this time like you and your dad without arguing, without fighting, without stepping on each other's toes. What would you say, Tim, for me and some of the other parents out there? What was the ultimate secret to success with respect to maintaining that relational harmony with dad for so long? Well, I think it was just for me personally owning that's not a place that I ever want to go uh, with with my father. And it's just it was a unwritten, understood balance uh, that we had uh, with each other for each other. And it was really a rule as much as anything with me that I did not ever want to be in a situation where I was in conflict with someone that I cared so much about and that it taught me so much at the same time. Uh, and I look at the situation uh, that we have now here at Star Group. And uh, as you well know, uh, Nick Starr, son Nick Starr is the president and we have another son here now, uh, Ben Starr. And that's always just an innate modus operandi of mine is to be very, very patient first and foremost. Uh, and even if someone, uh, even if it's not a child, is um, getting a little bit spunky, if you will, in a particular for any particular reason, um, I just want to make sure that I respond in a much more harmonic way uh, than others may. It's just important to me, and that has served me well over the years. Well, I would say that is definitely true. And one of the things that we have in common among many others is I have three children, you have three children, and you were talking about how two of them right now are in the business. And I've been very fortunate to get to know your kids over the last couple of years. And they're, they're just wonderful, upstanding, responsible uh, young men, and in uh, your daughter's case, young woman. So for, for us, again, listening to this podcast right now that are interested in making sure that our children know Christ, that our children are unabashed followers, unapologetic followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what, what specifically, Tim, have you done as the father of three children to make sure that your children have a relationship with Jesus? I mean, has, any, has anything particularly worked well in that regard that we could all potentially emulate in our respective lives? Well, I think as parents, we, especially as Christian parents, we have very specific objectives that we feel are necessary to accomplish. Um, certainly prayer, um, always at whatever age, when babies and, and uh, as, as they age, um, there was constant uh, prayer within our family at bedtime and reading. Uh, in addition, um, we were fortunate to uh, send our, our children to Christian-based uh, schools as well. So that was very helpful, very significant. And as they have gotten older, it is something that we certainly reiterate significantly. And with regard to 
we're very fortunate to all get along very well. We travel together with our children and their significant others. Um, we, in terms of prayer uh, on the way out on a vacation um, for the safety uh, that we had when we return are things that I have attempted to make sure that we've done our whole life in addition to the uh, independent things that they do from a Christian standpoint and a church standpoint. Well, some good advice, and especially as my children start to get a little bit older, start to become wise of the ways of the world, that is information that I'm definitely going to stock away. In case you're just joining us here on the C-Suite for Christ podcast, what a blessing it is to have Tim Starr as our guest, one of the first members of C-Suite for Christ. Tim is also the CEO of the Star Group, one of the finest insurance agencies in the state of Wisconsin. I can assure you that. Tim, so we're talking about fathers. We're talking about families. We're talking about children. Well, in the Christ family, the Christian family, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So we don't have to be biological brothers. We're, we're brothers in Christ. And accordingly, as one big Christian family, oftentimes I think about the young people in society today. Mm. I think about the future of Christianity for some people, they're optimistic. For some people, they're pessimistic. For some people, they don't think about these things a whole lot. So as a, as a very astute person, somebody who takes his, his faith very seriously, and I've, I've seen that firsthand, are you worried about today's young people knowing Jesus? And if so, if so, what can we as brothers and sisters in Christ do to make sure that our young people build a good relationship with Christ? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, and the, the observation uh, that I think we all have inevitably is that it's a very different time. <clears throat> and I'm trying to think of some of the recent stats that I've heard with regard to uh, church-going population. Are we down to like 30% of the population? Do you know, Paul? Yeah, it's pretty low, right? I know in the millennial group in particular, only 32% of millennials belong to a church, and that's been dropping like a rock in recent years. Yeah. So I, it's, it is very, very concerning. And, and, and I think it's because you've got these two competing forces, especially as a, a young individual. You have the obviously the flesh and, and what we compete with. Uh, with regard to that is the reality of who we are. And if, if it's not balanced um, with, with a relationship with our father, it, it, it's, it's uh, not a good situation. And the flesh tends to win a lot in those situations, especially with what people are exposed to today, right? Between entertainment, uh, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, uh, very concerning. And with regard to uh, what is the answer for that? You know, the, the thing that comes to mind first is obviously prayer and that we would be living by example and inviting people into things as much as we can. Uh, I'm involved in the men's Bible study, and we talk more and more frequently all the time about inviting people in uh, to a relationship. And uh, it's been kind of fun, actually this particular group I'm in, because we have this almost like little competition going on uh, to see who can be bold and who can be different. What did that interaction look like? What was the outcome? So it's putting ourselves through. And for many people, that's not a comfortable situation to be in to talk about our faith, right? I mean, that's a, 
that's a challenge for a lot of us. And uh, I tend to be a little bit more comfortable with it and have had some very good experiences with uh, competing with the gentlemen in my Bible study group. So, you know, that's, I think we've got to remember to, we start with one, because when we talk about the millennials, we're talking about a lot of people, right? We're talking about, and, and it becomes overwhelming. In our own mind, we go, we've got to help all these people. But I think we need to remember, it's critical that we remember, it starts with one. So if we can affect one, and they can affect one, and they can affect one, it's a very important way uh, to to think about this. It's a very important way, the uh, proper strategy to be used is to think that way. Otherwise we become overwhelmed with the task at hand and then we become a little bit fearful and concerned more than we probably should be at least at this moment in time when we're talking about it. Well, and I like that mindset and, and just listening to you talk about that one person at a time, one interaction at a time, one conversation at a time, that, that, that just reminds me, my favorite actor of all time is Al Pacino. And it reminds me of one of my favorite inspirational movie clips when Al is the football coach in the movie Any Given Sunday. And his team is defeated. His team is getting their butt kicked on the gridiron. And at halftime, he, he makes his whole speech about the thing that makes our team different is we know that football, like life, is a game of inches. The difference between us and them is we're going to fight for that inch. We're going to claw for that inch and we're going to die for that inch because we know that those inches when added up in totality is going to be the difference between winning and losing. And I think the same is true for us in the world of Christianity. Every call is an inch. Every chat is an inch. Heck, every social media post that you make is an inch and that adds up big time over time. So, Tim, the last question that I have for you here, so about uh, two minutes or less, I would suppose, and uh, I know we're not going to get to the root of this question in two minutes, but you know, we're, we're not afraid to tackle tough issues here on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. One of the things that I'm, I, I find fascinating about John chapter 14, verse 6, which again is, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just like this verse is a rallying cry for us in the Christian community, I think this verse has also been used to label us as intolerant or bigots from people outside of the Christian community. And I, I've seen this play out on social media a lot as I post about my faith. Somebody will say, well, you're Christian, so, so you think you have the one true religion? What about all the good people that are Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists? What does that mean? Does that mean they're going to hell? Does that mean that they... Uh, oh, well, you're out of luck because Christians have the one true religion. I've, I've, I've seen this quote used for as, for as wonderful as it is, the scripture verse, to, to kind of label us as intolerant. If you heard somebody talk like that, if you heard somebody say something like that around this verse, how would you respond? Yeah, well, this, this is a big one, right? Uh <sighs> I can, I can go in two different directions with this. And uh, for me personally, um, there is no doubt that in terms of my relationship with Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. I almost feel like it's better to be analogous, Paul, I would say, to like the American Indians. And what I mean by that is, we certainly have quote-unquote religions in the world, and I, I do struggle with, the, you know, whether it be Muslims or Hindus who have many gods, Buddhists who don't have any god at all, uh, and 
but I, I reflect back on the American Indians and I do because they had something they called the great spirit. It's much closer to me, to God, than how one would get with being a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist. So to say that it's intolerant, um, you know, maybe it is for them, especially for those where there isn't, or where there are many gods or where there's no God, again, the Hindus and the, the Buddhists respectively. But I am almost, I guess what I'm saying at the same time here is I think that people have, there's two variables that we're given here on earth. And those two variables are your ability to love and how you use your free will. And so to the extent that you utilize those things to, you know, very effectively or positively, I think that you can be a, a Christian in a little bit different sense. And let me even be more specific. I've always struggled with, and I think people do as a general rule, if we look at people that were here before Christ and we ask ourselves a question, did they all go to the dark place because Christ was not here on earth, you know, prior to 2000 years ago. So I believe even with the Bible verse that uh, I, I like here, that we have um, mankind that through the, those two variables that I've mentioned, that they've been able to accomplish more than we might otherwise think. I think because Christ did come, and he's been here for 2000 years, it is absolutely the appropriate direction and right direction for me. I just feel like there may be others, you know, pre-Christ that used the variables that were given in such an effective way that they may have accomplished that same thing. How do you feel about that? That's a great answer. And boy, did I put you on the hot seat or what? We got two <laughs> minutes before the interview's done and I throw that matzo ball at you. No, I, I think that was a very good answer, Tim. And I wish we had more time, but we're wrapping this up here with the C-Suite for Christ podcast. But I just wanted to say to the audience listening to this, imagine, so you, you heard Tim, you heard from Tim, what Tim's beliefs are, the way that Tim looks at life. Imagine the type of corporate culture an organization must have when it's run by somebody like Tim. And it's been a, a blessing for me over the course of three years to serve as Tim's president at the Star Group. I miss you, Tim. I miss Mary. I, I miss hanging out with you guys on a regular basis. So it, it's been a blessing to have this conversation with you. If somebody listening to this wants to check out the Star Group, your commercial insurance, your personal lines insurance, group benefits, how would they go about doing that, Tim? Uh, sure. I, I, certainly a phone call or certainly our website, uh, stargroup, www.stargroup.com. And we'd be happy to chat with anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just so you know, that is two R's, double the R's, double the fun, <laughs> stargroup.com. So this has been our, our conversation with Tim Starr, CEO of the Star Group. We'll be right back with more from the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Now, you got to forgive me here. I think it was Bill Shakespeare that said, parting is such sweet sorrow and I don't know about sweet. There's nothing fun for me with respect to parting. So as we get ready to uh, to take that step and hopefully see you back here on the next episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, I'd be horribly remiss if I didn't at least thank my dear friend, my former employer, and my brother in Christ, Tim Starr, the owner and CEO of the Star Group. Boy, what a, what a blessing it was to have him on this program, to have him share his words of wisdom and to really unpack 
the importance of knowing that the road to heaven is narrow. The road to heaven is only in one direction, and that's through Jesus. That's it. There's no other way in. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you read. I don't care how intellectual you are. I don't even care how many good deeds and acts you do in this world. Gaining entrance to heaven is not a meritocracy. If it was, none of us would get in. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sinful, broken, busted nature so we too could have eternal life. That's the whole reason for Calvary. That's the whole reason for the cross. We don't have eternal salvation without the cross. You want salvation. You want heaven. You want to get to our heavenly father. There's only one way, a narrow path a straight path, a direct path, and that's through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do not take your eyes off Jesus. Borderline obsess about Jesus. Are you plugged in? Are you following him? Are you cultivating that relationship with him? Because he sure as heck wants a relationship with you. Just make sure that Jesus is your North Star. Jesus is your son, S-O-N. No, S-U-N, son. (laughs) When we get to the end of the podcast, I start getting a little loopy here. But he is your son. Basically, we revolve around him. Don't lose sight of that. Because there is so much that awaits for us when that number is called, if only we go through Jesus. God bless you guys. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the host of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. You're like one of a kind And my eyes light up when I think about you I won't forget you